Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I was thinking there, and then Jaden prayed it, how this is actually one of those days that's a, a rough day for some people, right? It's like, Father, like, ugh, that's not like a positive word in your world. And uh, that's, that's where we just go back to the reality that it, it should be. And uh, sorry if you did not have a good representation, a loving representation of a father. But the challenge is for us fathers who are present here is to be that father that would be a positive representation of Christ's love for the church, right? And so just a challenge for all of us dads as we look through the passages today. A bunch of texts, but I'm excited about this talk today called Saved. Uh, Luke 18 is where we're at. Verse 18 says, a certain ruler asked him, Jesus, right? Asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not Steal, you should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, right? All these I have kept since I was a boy, the ruler said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left everything to follow you. We left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brother or sister or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Wow. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of quotable verses in there that you hear all the time. You know, nothing's impossible with God. You hear uh, just so many of these over the course of your lifetime. It's a rich, rich portion here. We're going we're gonna to open up some of it and kind of look at elements of it. But as I'm reading there, I go, man, phrases like, 
No one who has left home. I think of the students going to camp this week. They're leaving home for a week to do kingdom business in their life. The leaders. My wife is going. She's leaving husband for just one week, though. Just one week, right? And uh, uh, going, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm nervous because I have the two little ones at home. So pray for me. I know you're praying for the campers, but, uh, and I love, by the way, Jaden, that you prayed for the cooks. That was hilarious. And uh, that's just wisdom right there. That was like a divine word from heaven. And uh, so you're, you're, but you just look at this and go, that's a kingdom decision. It's a kingdom decision that people are wanting to make a difference in their life, through their life, impacting others. And I just love that we believe in sacrificing for the sake of really equipping ourselves for others. And uh, it's pretty cool. But this is talking about something really interesting here. This guy has lived a great life, right? This ruler has, like, kept all these commandments. He's like, check, done it. And Jesus yet is going, one more thing, though. One more thing. He recognized there's something you're holding on to. You have yet to give me everything. And it made the dude sad. It made him, like, you know, get sorrowful. Because in his own strength, keeping the law, doing all these things, in his own strength, he couldn't get to heaven. And he didn't recognize standing right in front of him was the answer for eternal life. Jesus. And so I look at that and I just go, wow. I feel bad for this guy because... With man, it was impossible to get to heaven. But with Jesus, it was totally possible. I just pray that we could discover the same today. It's possible with God. It's possible that anyone can follow Jesus, no matter how far we see ourselves from deserving eternal life or, or getting to heaven or whatever. Like, we can be saved And so to illustrate that, we're going to fast forward to Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. And uh, my headset, I'm getting symbols. Either I needed to shave this morning or the headset's working now. I think that's it, right? Okay, that was it. That was awesome. I was like, did I I miss a side? I totally thought I shaved both sides. Okay, good. Um, So... Uh, looking at this, because I need to use my hands, because otherwise, how am I going to shake up these root beers and spray everybody in the, the risky seats up front? So, um, so I, I look at this, Luke 19, one of, my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I just love Zacchaeus. One, because it's really close to my full name, Thaddeus, Zacchaeus. It, uh, my name was supposed to be spelt like Zacchaeus, T-H-A-D-D-A-E-U-S, but my parents made a mistake on the birth certificate, T-H-A-D-D-E-U-S, and I've lived a mistake for lots of years. I won't tell you how many. Over 40. Okay, so moving on. That's, that's why I'm wearing this little thing for 8 to 12 weeks. It's just age, guys. It happens. So moving on. Jesus entered Jericho, Luke 19, 1, and was passing through. So he wasn't going to stay there, right? Going through Jericho. Wasn't, no plans. Verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, 
But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. No offense to the short people today. Just let it go. Moving on, verse 4. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Remember, Jesus was just passing through. But now all of a sudden, he's staying at Zacchaeus' house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. Mutter. Right? They're muttering. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? <gasps> right? Verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up, which, you know, to most of us. Okay, moving on. Uh, so Zacchaeus stood up. I just think it's funny that he said that. No, no, guy. No, he's standing. No, he stood up. He just has to point that out. Luke is like, look, are they going to get this when they read this? I, I don't think they will, but I'm going to put it in there anyway. Zacchaeus did stand up, guys. That's him standing, okay? Just don't, don't make fun of him. I just did. Okay, here we go. He stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, he's a tax collector. He cheated everybody out of a lot, right? That's why they hate the guy. So he says, he says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus was his physical illustration. Crazy, right? Two comparisons. One stinking wealthy guy who would not let things go to be generous to the poor. And the other guy, stinking wealthy rich off the people that he took from, right? And yet he gives it all back times a bunch. Two very different results. One sorrow, one incredible joy. And here we have this description of the passion of Jesus, his mission, and why he came in the first place. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Like if we have one passion in our life, it should be the same, right? To be present, to connect, to seek, and to save the lost. In our world, maybe you'd say that's the 88% of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus in our region. That should be a great reason to wake up every day and to be alive. Luke shows creatively here that both the Jew who has followed the law closely over his whole life and the tax collector sinner of the world that both had something incredibly in common in the presence of Jesus. One, they were both considered sinners. They were both able to be saved. And they both counted with necessity. They both said, or were confronted with the necessity of generosity. One, out of the overflow of his response and worship to Jesus, the other out of Jesus saying, you're holding on to something. What is it? Ah, sell everything, 
give to the poor. The funny thing is, if you read that again, because sometimes you're like, oh man, he had to sell everything and, and, and follow Jesus, right? He, he gives him two commands, not just one. He told him, sell everything you have and give to the poor. He didn't say, sell everything you have and give it all to the poor. I think the rich young ruler heard that though, right? He just said, give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And he said, then come and follow me. He really asked him to do two things. Follow him and give to the poor. But sell everything. He must have liked his stuff, right? It's like, yeah, I know you can. Here's the deal. If you're going to leave mother and father and husband and sister and brother and go to camp, leave your iPods and your iPhones at home and your technology. The camp actually asked them to do that, right? You should hear like middle school girls in your home. Not picking on anybody in particular here. Actually, there's a couple families particularly I am picking on right now. But anyway, there's, you know, you should hear middle school girls when they're confronted with the reality, and I'm sure boys are the same, about leaving their technology at home. It's like, you want me to do what? Okay, just leave it in the car. It'll be closer, but it's still not with you. <laughs> How am I going to do this? How do I live? Right? Everything. What if you were asked to give up everything to follow Jesus? In a lot of countries, you are asked that. You're, you're asked to give up your life if you confess Jesus as Lord. I don't know. It's very interesting. Romans 3 kind of approaches our story today in an interesting descriptiveness of kind of what Jesus might have been leaning towards as he was challenging the rich young ruler. And, and ultimately, Zacchaeus illustrates this as well, his story. But it says this, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, right? Don't murder, do this, do that, do this, don't do that. God, God says that nobody, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, our inability to be righteous. Verse 21. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed before unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What is this talking about? Well, just as that rich young ruler couldn't live his way right into eternity, neither can we. We cannot work our way into heaven. We can't give enough money away to get to heaven. Oh, well, I heard him say, sell everything, give to the poor, eternal life. Check. No. Faith in Jesus alone results in eternal life. And this is interesting. So you may have missed it. But the first point is God is good. 
God is good. The ruler approaches Jesus with a simple question, but he addresses him as good teacher, which is intriguing to me because unless you go like a layer deeper and begin to study it, you don't recognize what this actually is saying. Good teacher is a reference to some passages in the Old Testament or the word good itself. To call one of their teachers good was giving uh, really divinity to the person that they were addressing. So Jesus says, well, no one is good except for God, right? Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 16.34 says, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. This very passage from 1 Chronicles 16.34 is quoted four times in the book of Psalms, word for word. Psalm 34.8 also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. So by calling Jesus good, Jesus may have wondered, does this ruler believe that I'm the Son of God then? Because no one deserves to be called good except for God. So some of the commentaries that you can study on this would say the ruler may have been like wavering as to whether Jesus was truly the Son of God. So when Jesus kind of tossed out the commandments, you know, well, you follow the commandments, right? What if the young ruler would have said, well, I thought I just needed to put my faith in you. We may have a different illustration here, but he didn't do that. He was like, no, I've, I've done all the commandments, right? So I get eternal life. And Jesus is like, oh, then he was just flattering me with the word good. I think we do that in prayer every once in a while, right? We try to flatter God into getting our way in prayer. God, you know, man, I've been to church three weeks in a row. That's like, that's a miracle. Hallelujah. And so I just wondered if, like, I could get this new job. And, uh, you know, you kind of think, okay, I deserve this, right? Okay, Lord, I want an Apple Watch, but I haven't got one. So I just pray that, like, you'll see that my heart isn't lusting for material possessions. I want it next week, though, Lord. So anyway, uh, you know, I don't know. But it's, you get those, 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 that kind of prayer, and you kind of flatter God. You're like, you're Lord of all. You're incredible. Help my car start in the name of Jesus. Um, yesterday, I worshiped Jesus. I was digging in my backyard, and I've got the pick out because it's solid rock and clay. And I'm like digging, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, another root. And I start to pry at it, and then I see it pop up out of the ground, and it's my water. I'm like, no. You know, luckily, I didn't break it, so I dropped to my knees and worshiped God. I wasn't being sarcastic at all. I was very grateful because I didn't want to repair a pipe. So I was just like, you know, but sometimes we flatter God. And even when we're praying, we just try to like flatter God to motivate him. He loves us already. He sent his son for us. He doesn't need flattered. And Jesus just addresses the young ruler and says, no one deserves to be called good except for God. And he's like, I wish I could have seen the face of the rich young ruler right there. Like, oop, he caught me, Right? But instead, we see that eternal life is received just in the righteousness of Jesus being the Son of God and paying the price for us that we couldn't live up to through the law. We can't behave our way into eternal life. So we're confronted here with that reality. God is so good that point two, with God all things are possible. He gives that illustration, right? Man, it's harder for a camel. There's that voice again. But anyway, it's harder for that camel to make its way through the eye of the needle. And everybody's like, nobody who's rich can go to heaven. Great, 
right? It's got to just be so discouraging. It's like, you can't put a camel through the eye of a needle. I can't even get thread licked and spun through the eye of a needle. How could a camel get through there? And there's no way I'm licking and spinning a camel, right? So you just kind of get there and you go, this is not happening. And you're going, this is impossible. Then nobody can get to heaven. But that's a perfect illustration. What Jesus wanted everybody to say is, this is impossible. And he's like, exactly, but not with God. Not at all with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Jesus shows the impossibility of man to unveil the possibility of God. So the story turns away from the individual focus of this one ruler and turns to a general application because all of a sudden, Luke writes, those who heard, right? Not just the man was sad, but now it says, those who heard asked, and who can be saved? They had a realistic perspective of their wealth. I think this challenges us today. And I love the fact, and I've used this many a time, if you're, if you're following on the notes on the, on the app or online, you'll see that the link is right there to the globalrichlist.com. But if you put your income into the globalrichlist.com, it'll show you where you're at on uh, the wealth spectrum globally. There's just something healthy about us putting our income into a global perspective. So not to pick on anybody particular's income, I decided let's go with minimum wage, like not the desired $15 an hour that some people are ready to flip burgers for. I'm talking about $9 and something an hour minimum wage in Washington, right? If you worked full-time 40 hours a week at nine-something an hour for 52 weeks a year, you didn't take vacation, you were faithful, no sick days, anyway, your income would be a whole $19,699 a year. Well, you punch that into the globalrichlist.com and it'll show you where you fall. You would be right there Guy number four, right? You're in the top 3.8% wealthiest people in the globe just at minimum wage. And we want more, right? So that we could be in the 1%. It's so funny because the people are like, I want $15 an hour and I want to stick it to the 1%. Wait, 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 wait. You get paid $15 an hour, you are the 1%. Isn't that interesting? I just love the world we live in. We're so confused. And, uh, and, and I, I look here. I, they have, if you go onto the global rich list, you put your income in, and then you find out what number you are in the world. Because, like, minimum wage guys number 228 million. And uh, so I look, at, I, I look at this, and I go, uh, you, you calculate it. You can scroll down on their website, and they show you different months they have different, like, charities they support and all these different things on this website, they're inspiring you to give, right? And, uh, but you could see different countries that their charities are serving. Right now, it's Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, it would take 19 years to make $19,699 because they make 53 cents an hour. Just perspective. When Jesus is challenging us, how hard it is for the wealthy 
to make it to heaven. That's us. The homeless in America are wealthier than some of the richest in other countries. It's a reality. So then we back up and get perspective all of a sudden, context to Jesus' instruction. And he's not saying it's impossible to make it to heaven. He's just saying it's impossible on our own to make it to heaven because we're going to be confronted with the realities of this world that will tempt us away from putting our faith in God. But it's totally possible to make it to heaven with God, but not with us. We'll get way too easily distracted. We need to choose to follow Jesus. It's the crossroad between the possible and the impossible. This is where things that were once impossible no longer experience natural limitations. And it's as simple as choosing to follow Jesus as Lord. It's beyond man's capacity. And that's why Jesus came in the first place. So we can't earn our way there to heaven. So leave it to Peter. You know, Jesus had these 12 disciples that chilled with him the most, right? That he was pouring most of his life into. And he had three of them that he really was coaching up and, and helping grow in their relationship with him. And, and Peter's one of these guys. So can you imagine hearing the question where he's saying, you know, well, then who can make it to heaven? And he's like, well, with, with man, it's impossible. With God, everything is possible. And Peter, I'm not sure he heard that. Because you ever get around somebody who's like, they're the type of person you start a conversation, and it's not that they're listening to the rest of the conversation. They're thinking of what they're going to say. Does that make sense? They're not a listener. They're a sayer. Confession. I'm that guy in a room, right? So I just, unfortunately, and you're going, yeah, duh, Thad, we know this. But I don't mind talking. Every once in a while. So, uh, so, you know, when you're a talker, you kind of think of a story that goes with every story. And so sometimes you don't hear what's in between the first story that got you to think of a story and the final story. I think Peter may have missed the it's impossible and impossible part, right? And he was thinking the whole time. Well, picture it this way. Jaden talked last week about the persistent widow and, and read the passage about, you know, let the children come. And, and I have four kids. And, and at times... Like, they have something to tell their father, but I'm engaged in another conversation. But not that they're the most patient with actually telling me the thing that they want to tell me. And they sometimes can interrupt in the conversation that I'm in. And they'll be like, you know, we told them, well, don't interrupt us verbally. You know, just touch us and, or something. Put your hand on us or something to where we know you have something to say. And when we have a natural break, we'll look to you. But that doesn't always work because they're like, instead of just touching, they're like, you know, they're persistent. Like, I have something, I have something, I have something. And you're thinking it's an emergency. Maybe it's not an emergency. What's happening? You know, and, and as they get bigger, you know, it's more like. Anyway, so you're like, you're, you're sitting there waiting for them to say what they're going to say. But you're trying to be a good listener to the person in front of you, which is a challenge in the first place because you have a story to tell. And then you're listening. And all of a sudden, they're like, eh, I think that was Peter. So Peter, the moment he hears the camel and the needle, he's like, uh, Oh my goodness, I left my boat. I left my fishing net. I left my business. We got the best catch ever, and we just walked away from it. I left my family, my kids, my dad's got to be mad that we just walked away and left all this stuff there on the beach. I can't believe this. We left it for nothing because we can't make it to heaven because only because we're wealthy. And you, can you imagine Peter sitting there not putting two and two together and kind of listening to the middle of that story? And then finally, he's like, but Jesus. 
We left everything. I, I kind of see that moment playing out. And in the NIV, when he says, hey, Jesus, um, we've left all to follow you. It's an exclamation mark. But I think maybe if you were punctuating the way I do in any social media platform, you'd do more of like an exclamation and a question. It'd be that, Jesus, we left everything to follow you, right? Like, are we still going to make it? Like, do we make it? And Jesus gives this crazy cool promise right there in that moment. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much. Get this. In this age and in the age to come, eternal life. In this age and in the age to come. That's kind of a ridiculous promise, right? Like, that's crazy ridiculous. I think Peter gave at that moment his best Tiger Woods, right? Yes! Many times over? Are you kidding? This is awesome! You know, and he's like celebrating. Okay, maybe his best Tiger Woods on a good week. This week it was more like Tiger Woods. Fisk you, son of a... Anyway, uh, but you just look at those who don't watch golf are like, what is he talking about? And I think he lost it. Does he have medication? Can he take it next week? Okay, so moving on. Uh, you look at this and just go, he, he, Peter's like, yes, many times over in this age and the age to come. That's just a great promise. Jesus made it very clear. Not only did he give up everything and that Peter gave up everything and that that was honorable, but he would be rewarded for it. And we would be rewarded when we sacrifice, when we're generous. Luke 6, 38 says, Given it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. We don't promote giving to receive, but the reality is when we give, we receive. God just never goes against his word. Interesting. Final thought. God seeks the salvation of the lost. God seeks the salvation of the lost. We must develop lost vision. Not we must lose our vision. That's not what I said. No, we we need to have a vision for the lost. Especially the generation we're in right now. Men, a huge percentage of young men and women in the world we live in are lost because they have no father figure. And here we are on Father's Day, and we have an opportunity to be a godly example to all around us. You know that the Spirit of God is illuminating your path when it leads to the seeking of the lost, to the seeing of the lost. So after Peter is affirmed, we fast forwarded to 19.1, right? The story of Zacchaeus. And what he did intuitively upon encountering Jesus. He found out where Jesus was. He found out where he was going to go. Climbed a tree so that he would be visible and be able to see Jesus personally. He welcomed Jesus gladly into his home. He intuitively became struck 
to extravagant giving and generous living. He gave half of all he had to the poor. He then offers to make anything he had done wrong times four go back to those he had cheated. I mean, that above hunger, that hunger and surrender and faith in Jesus resulted in his salvation. It says right there. It resulted not the giving, not the act of generosity. It wasn't that he pulled out his, his checkbook that resulted in his salvation. It was that he worshiped God, that he surrendered, that he chose to follow Jesus that resulted in his salvation. He opened everything up to him. He did not go away sad. He was full of joy. And Jesus makes it clear his faith had saved him. And that's the desire I have for all of us. We could be those that would live in a place where we would be so inspired by an encounter with Jesus, by an experience with Jesus, that we would just say, okay, God, here's my life. It's all yours. Show me what to do with it. Here I am. Use me. When you consider the reality of Zacchaeus, he did the effort of going above and beyond to find Jesus. And some, some of us, it's going to take that. Some of us, we're going to have to maybe do a little more to get past the crowd. I think in the world we live in today, we have to do that. I think it's easy to let the church be in between Jesus and us, the church, whatever that is to people, right? But we each individually have to find a way for us personally to connect with Jesus. We have to get past the crowd and get one-on-one with Jesus. That's what growing in a relationship with Jesus is. That might be through prayer. It might be through opening your Bible and reading it, beginning a Bible plan. We got to find a way to get in the presence of Jesus. And even when people around us begin to mutter, Even if people around us begin to use our name in their complaining, maybe they call us the sinner that needs to be saved. May become a reality when we realize, wait, I am the sinner. (laughs) He came to seek and save me. And let that not be an insult that God considered you a sinner. Let it be a moment of incredible worship that he saved you. I don't know. I think it's an incredible challenge for us. I personally want to be accused of being a guest of sinners as much as possible. I want to be in relationship with those who need Jesus the most. I do. I, honestly, I have this default of, of in a room, if I go in, I want to connect with those who, are, who I can just tell are farthest from Jesus. It's the way I'm wired. But I believe it's the way Jesus was wired too and it should challenge all of us. And maybe for some of you that just means you'll get out of your comfort zone and say hi to somebody with a smile this week. Maybe you won't walk to the other side of the road when you see that questionable looking dude. And you'll just smile and say hi. We gotta do something to be a seeker and a saver of the lost like Jesus was. So that means something different for every one of you. I wanted to challenge you today that you would be willing 
to get outside your comfort zone to make Jesus known to all. Because no one in this world, no matter how rich or how poor, there's nothing that is impossible with God. He wants to seek and save all. So on the back of your connection card, there's some response opportunities. Today would be a great day if you've never made that decision to choose to follow Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus today. Choose to follow Jesus. You're not too far away from him to be saved. Or maybe today you're feeling that challenge. Okay, yeah, I'm, I stay in the safe zone, and I know there's people around me who need Jesus. I can at least smile or say hi or give them an invite. I'm going to pray for you. And Fathers, remember that we have a gift up here. Actually, I just wanted to record this as our largest altar call ever when you come forward and grab that. I'll say, yes, I see that. Yes, I see that hand. Praise you, God. Oh, they're all coming forward. Thank you, Jesus. It's a Pentecostal church anyway. So I just, you know, bless God. Hallelujah. I'm going to do this every week. And uh, no, we, we do love you. We believe in every one of you. We're the wealthy. It's hard for us to get to heaven. But the cool thing All it is is putting our faith in Jesus and following faithfully. So God, here we are. We give you everything. No, really, we give you you everything. We follow you. And we know we get distracted by the things around us. The things of this world will lure us in for our affection and our attention more than you. But but yet you you still challenge us to, to... to give it all up and follow you. And, and for each of us, that's going to mean something different. It's going to be a different challenge. Maybe for some, like this week, the students, they're going to go to camp. They're going to take a week away from all the, the distractions of their life, and they're going to hear clearly from you. And the leaders that are going to be pouring into them are, are, are going to just have an incredible reward. But Lord, for us who are going through our normal weeks, we're going back to work, we're, we're, we're going through normal days, I just pray that, God, you would help us as well to surrender. Help us to lay our lives open to you and, and see you working and, and confess you as Jesus daily, somehow impacting the lost around us. Maybe it's with our attitude or our smile or our generosity. If so, be it, Lord, if you awaken generosity in us, that we would be as extravagant as Zacchaeus. May it be so. We just want to obey you as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.